Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. I honestly did not think I was going to make it back in time for this Busy Mumsy podcast recording. Whoa. Deep inhale, exhale. Uh, Anxiety levels, hmm. They were up there. They were up there. I have to share the potholes in Uganda are the sizes of swimming pools. I I feel like I do mention this on the Busy Mumsy Instagram and TikTok. And let me just say, if you are a stickler for being on time like me, then you will understand how I'm feeling right now as I calm, as I center myself. But seriously, our car can get stuck in one of these like monster pits. And I'm talking, you could be eight, New York City blocks away from where you need to go. And it will take you 45 minutes because you are stuck deep into the depths of the dirt of Uganda. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to say and report I am back, microphone in hand. And I am so excited today to welcome organizing queen Vicki Silverthorne of You Need a Vicki. Vicki Silverthorne started her professional home organizing business in 2010. After 10 years of working as a PA for well-known names such as Lily Allen and professional sports people, she decided that she wanted to concentrate on providing decluttering and organizing services for people's homes and spaces. Vicki is a mama bear to a beautiful little girl, and I am so honored to have her on to not only share her journey about juggling being a single parent and running a business, but Vicky is going to share her very special journey of finding her princess through adoption. This is a first time conversation around adoption on the Busy Mumsy platform. And I am so thrilled to meet Vicky, to welcome Vicky. As she said, yes, she doesn't even know me. I love this. And she's going to share her story. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy chat. Vicky Silverthorne, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, finally, 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 we meet. You know, I, I, I just love coming across a other people's podcasts, um, and and then Instagram accounts. So I essentially was was listening to Ashley James, her podcast, Mum, Mum's the Word, which I love, yeah. and um, there was your lovely voice and your lovely story, and I was like, I need to meet Vicky. Glad. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I, I get it. Everyone needs a Vicky, which is the, the Instagram handle and what you do. But I, I was like, yeah, hook, line and sinker. I need to meet Vicky. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a huge compliment. Um, yeah, it's, it's always meant to the name is always meant to be sort of bad enough so that people remember it. And I feel like that's worked really well over the last 13 years. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it's 
wonderful and awesome. And even this morning um, at breakfast with my husband, he was like, so what's your day like? And I was like, well, I have a podcast recording because everyone needs a Vicky. And he was like, what? And I was like, okay, wait, she, she does organization. She's like declutter. She does all the things. She's an amazing story, but everybody needs a Vicky. And he was Aww. like, that is brilliant. Look, so, keep on, obviously 13 years in, you are doing something perfectly right. Thank you so much. Well, Vicky, um, the thing that really tugged at my heartstrings and a story that has never been shared on my platform, Busy Mumsy, um, is a, a, a journey, a road that you have chosen to go down. And I have to say that even as a parent, someone who becomes a parent, they become that nurturer, that that the building blocks of a child, right? And, you know, that, that new that new parent is like a saint, right? Because now they're taking care of another life and then taking care of themselves. But when you add the word adoption mm. onto this, this is like another like saint level that is like unheard of, but I, I bow down to you and anyone out there that chooses this route because it is beautiful and glorious and you're giving yourself to someone that needs, right? And yeah. I, I, I just, it, it's so unbelievably inspiring. So I would love to learn more from you as, as to what led you to adoption. Yeah, absolutely. I am so happy to share. And I'm always so happy to share because I want to spread the word on what adoption is like now as opposed to what I think is stuck in a lot of people's heads which is what adoption was like 20 years ago and it has changed you know so so much and I know that through talking to people who've been through processes so long ago so yeah I'm happy to shout about it as much as possible um what led me to adopt was well, interestingly, my dad says he really remembers me talking about it from like my early 20s. And I do, I always remember being convinced that I was going to adopt. And my my rough plan in my head was, you know, we, my partner, who doesn't exist right now, but, you know, my partner, we would adopt our eldest child because then the advantage that eldest child, they may be adopted, but in my head I had, they may be adopted, but they're going to be the eldest. They'll, they'll have been the first so hopefully that can give them something positive. And then if I go on to have biological children after that, that's okay. It can be done. We can integrate and we can, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. Um, my story didn't quite happen like that. I didn't meet the partner. <laughs> I just quite simply just haven't met anyone that I've sort of wanted to spend my life with. And it, it is that simple. And a lot of people will try and pick it apart into so much detail or psychology. But I really just haven't haven't been lucky enough to sort of meet my person yet. Um, and that's okay. I'm sorry, that's yeah. okay. I know, I, I know that this is a parenting podcast, not a dating <laughs> podcast or anything like that. But I mean, come on, like it, everyone is their own, their own journey. And yeah, shouldn't exactly. Yeah, if I meet someone, I'm, someone when I'm 50 and I'm lucky enough to get 20 years, happy as anything, I'll still be a very happy lady. But yeah, you know, very open-minded. So I still wanted to be a mum. So when I was, I'm 43, turned 43 at the weekend. When I was 36, I froze my eggs with no particular plan, but I just felt like I should. I was almost panicked into freezing them. Um, they're still sitting somewhere in a freezer <laughs> that I pay for each year. Don't know what I'm going to do with those, but they're there. Like, I can't 
get, I know we're not going into egg freezing, but I can't get rid of them yet. I just can't. They're just there. But I thought about going down the donor route. I looked into it quite a lot. I even spoke to someone who was a potential donor. And then I went to an adoption evening and I can only think and imagine that the feeling I had when I stepped out and as I was sitting there must be similar to that amazing feeling that people get when they decide to have a baby if they go down if they if they have it that way or or they feel like they're pregnant or sorry not feel like or if they have done a test and they are pregnant um I I think it must have been like that because I was like on cloud nine I was buzzing I sat at my car holding my steering wheel and I was like oh my god this is how I'm gonna do it I know I'm doing it I'm definitely definitely doing it um and then out the window were all the other ideas and that was me done I'm in like, give me the form to fill in, filled it in, sent it off the next day, done. Um, that's how it started. I, I was like, I was going to say, though, it wasn't that simple, though. No. It couldn't have been. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I, as much as, you know, we would like it to be that simple. Yeah. Yeah. What is that, that process that you embarked on in the UK? Of, of course, it's going to be sure. different globally, right? Um, I actually have a friend of mine who shared a blog on the Busy Mumsy website about they adopted their military family. Yeah. So because they had lived all over the, the globe because her husband kept on getting deployed and, and all of that, they were actually, when it came to adoption, they were like kind of like the countries they wanted to adopt adopt from was shrunken down because of how many times he has moved around for the military. Of course, of course. Yeah, there's there's so many different, you know, I, I even looked obviously into adopting abroad and I didn't realise actually that countries have their books open for adoption, then close, open, close, open, close, open, close. And, and it's so much more complicated than I thought, but I actually decided to adopt in the UK. Okay. Um, the first part of the process was adoption evening, fill in a form that you're, you're going to, you're showing strong interest. You know, you're really thinking about this. And from there was a phone call. And I think they could tell from my voice that, you know, I was serious. Um, down the line a bit, you get assigned a social worker and you start what is stage one in the adoption process. Um, for me, that was the start of a just under two years process from when I, you know, signed that form, uh, went to that evening and to when my daughter actually came to live with me. So just under two years, one year, 11 months. Um, and yeah, it, then it's stages, lots of stages and you kind of pass each stage. So I think there's like three or four stages. It's hard to remember now. Um, but the first so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you were then already assigned to, to a child. No, sorry, a social worker. To a social worker, apologies. Yeah. So no child at all, no no idea at this point. Okay. So so step one, assigned a social worker, they come round and you start filling in the forms. I mean, and these forms are like everything about your entire life. Now, people call it intrusive. People say, you know, there's so much. And actually some people are put off by the amount of forms and stop the process. I've actually heard that. You know, part of the thing with the forms is you've got to be like, you've got to really want this. And of course, if it filters, I think this is where your organizational skills come in, though. I think this is where, like, you're like, this is my wheelhouse. I got this. <laughs> yeah, I was renovating, actually. It was crazy. I was renovating. So there were like these wires hanging down everywhere. And they were like, 
yeah, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to sort this out. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the process. I'm renovating for my future child who I've never met. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, these forms, I, you know, everything from have you had therapy? Have you had anxiety? Have you dealt with that? How were, how were you parented? Good things about that. Bad things about that. You know, with a lot more detail. Um, and I didn't find it intrusive. I found it almost like a giant therapy session. Um, because it did stop and make me think, okay, what what didn't I love about the way I was brought up? And what would I change? And what how, what kind of parent would I want to be? And honestly, the preparation to becoming a parent, I kind of think it would be really useful, some of it, for like anyone who's going to become a parent to go through seriously. Um, the books we read, not just on adoption, but on things like attachment, on, you know, really interesting on the science of parenting, my favourite book ever, you know, about the way you talk to children and treat them and how, what can lead to causing them anxiety in later life. I mean, honestly, I just felt like I was sucking up this knowledge for two years. And I'm so grateful of that. Um, you know, I had um, a Nicole Tr Trunfio, she's the CEO of uh, Bump Suit. Yeah. yeah. She, was, she was on not too long ago and she was talking about how she she felt in a way similar of like, I think that any expecting parent should just have like a laundry list of things that they have to like fill out a form and submit yeah. to yeah. be a parent. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but like just to make sure that we're all a-okay and that we have the yeah. best interest for our child. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. It's great. It's brilliant. I, I really loved it, honestly. I mean, it was hard at times. It was emotional at times. You have to have a ton of patience knowing that you're starting a process and you might not be meeting your child for two years. You know, that's like the longest pregnancy ever. Like yeah, I was going to say, did you ever feel defeated? Like completely like, you know what? Like this is bananas, what they're making me jump through. I did. You know, do you know when I felt like that was, it was about 18 months in and I'd filled in everything. I'd passed everything. My house had been ticked off. I'd been ticked off. There was a bedroom with a cot in it and it was immaculate and done. There are photos of my family on the wall. I mean, my whole home has got toys in it. Everything is catered for, the, the cupboards have got locks on them. And I don't know who my child is, but I also don't know when it might happen. And because I'm a solo parent, my question to them was that the sort of system, the, the social workers was, do you think I'm gonna struggle a bit more because I'm just me? And the answer was, yeah, you may well do, you know, it will still happen, but we have to find a child that suits being with one parent um, for one reason or another. You know, if, if they've had a child that's been living with a foster family with like, you know, boys and girls running around everywhere, two parents in the house, they wouldn't necessarily want to put that child then with an adopted parent who's just them. No animals, no ch other children, no other partner, nothing. So it's, it's that much detail that they have to look at, into it with, which is great. I never, I never would have thought that at all. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Loving, nurturing home, ticks that box. Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. You know, and they look into race and they look into, you know, the children I show interest with. Um, if they're from a different background to me, um, I have to prove that I have people in my life and that I can support that background and that culture, if there's a different culture anything at all you know if the child's religious if they're not there are so many factors that come into who am I going to be 
matched with. The way I used to see it, and I've got this beautiful book, is here's me and here's, make sure I'm on camera, here's my daughter. And we're kind of slowly coming together and we've got these wiggly paths slowly coming together and eventually we get there. And it, mm. it, this was what was in my head this whole time, this kid's book. And it was amazing. I, I had to have faith in it, but the patience at that end bit, you know, I'd show interest in a child and, you know, that child would get swooped away. And then I just sort of sat back and decided to, you know, let the universe do its thing. And that's when I got a phone call and a, an email through actually. And so you get the email and then what was the day like? Like, I, I honestly, like, I'm going to cry right now. What was the day like when, when you got to meet her? Well, so, so firstly, the email you get isn't like, you've been matched, here's your child. It was more like a letter and a, a few sentences about a child. Okay, because right um, now I have, like, the hills are alive with the sound yeah. of music. And I mean, like, I, I, wish. Yeah, I wish, but it's more like, letter child are you interested and I'm like oh uh okay well yeah <laughs> and and then then I get a follow-up phone call I have to wait again wait again and then they're like okay you've been picked as one of three people to talk to the social worker and the foster carer on a call about this child um so obviously we're we're in covid time so we have a zoom so this is this was the best bit ever so there's this zoom and I'm talking to this the social worker and the foster care and it's kind of like the foster care has got you know a lot of interest in this because she really cares about this little girl um so I'm getting asked questions getting asked questions and I just hear this little squeaky cry in the background and I was like oh my goodness oh my goodness because you're not meant to see the child at all at this point it's way too early and the foster carer kind of went I know that I know that cry I'm so sorry and there on her lap appeared this little human and I was like Oh my goodness. And and I I wanna say I knew at that moment, but I was I was pretty damn sure at that moment that was my daughter. And it's so weird saying that and, and it's so strange, but you know, I saw my daughter for the first time on a screen. <laughs> like it's just bizarre, right? Oh my goodness. So mad. So then I was interviewed, one of three people, and then I got a phone call, must be a week or so later, saying, Listen, they've they've chosen you. And um, we'd love you to meet her, um, because there's a and big you thing. Right? In the car. You were like, okay, like computer yeah, down yeah. to the car. <laughs> yeah. um, and but the weird thing is, you you hear that you have the I had this fear because again I read up it on it a lot. There was this one lady who met who she thought was going to be her her child, and they smelt wrong, and that sounds bizarre, but there's a chemistry between humans, right? Some people we like, some people we don't. Some people we click with, some people we don't. And I had this real awareness of this story in my head where this lady picked up this child and smelt them and was like, that's not my child. Right? And, and I know how bizarre this sounds, but I had it in my head and I was really scared the first time I met her as to what I was gonna feel. But actually what happened was I met her and the foster carer wheeled her around. She wasn't even one yet and she was asleep. And I was like, like stunned, like just, you know, like, oh my goodness. I could see them coming towards me. It's just like, come here, come here, come here. I need to see her, I need to see her. And then she woke up. And honestly, from that moment she woke up, she has not stopped smiling at me ever since. It was like, 
this like there was still fear like is this the right decision is this the right decision is this my daughter is, is this meant to be but there was she just didn't stop smiling she didn't reject me once from the second she opened her eyes she smiled at me and we we weren't allowed to touch because it was covid and it was so frustrating and i kept going to touch her because it felt so natural but i couldn't touch her so i couldn't interact and i couldn't you know give her cheeks a squidge and but um I knew, I think I knew at that point, I, I knew what was gonna progress. And I just, cause the other thing you have in your head is what if something goes wrong, don't get too attached. You know, th this could change at any point. Anything could change at any point. So you have to be so careful and you're trying to hold your heart into your chest, but you can only do that up until a certain point because there's this beautiful little human in front of you. Um, and then were you able, like, then was it a quick process after that? Or is, is there still more time that went on until you had your Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music moment? Wasn't quite there yet. It was like, I'd say about, dying for it. it was about six weeks. So what happened next was um, we did daily phone chats. I mean, again, how bizarre does this sound now? So daily video calls. Um, sometimes twice a day, can I, can I talk to her, can I see her, can I see her, can I see her? Everyone just beautiful, laughing, funny, silly. Um, and then uh, it was put in the diary. So when you adopt, you basically, you go and visit for a week beforehand, a full week. Day one, you might pop there for an hour. So you're in their space, you see them, you play, go home again. The next day, you go there, you might feed them, you might play for a little bit longer. The next day you go, you you arrive when they wake up in the morning. So I was there at like half five, ready for her to wake up and me go in, you know, to slowly get them used to this. And then I took her out for a walk and then I fed her more and then I put her to bed and then I bathed her. So each day you do more. And then on the last day was my health <laughs> alive moment, which was it was 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd gone in the morning knowing I was going to pick up my baby and bring her home the weirdest feeling in the entire world that I've ever had. And I put her in the back of the car and it was really emotional because the foster care is just beautiful and we still keep in touch. And the social worker, bit of paperwork, weird. Um, and then I drove home, like doing this every few minutes, like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. And then drove home and that was it. And that was it, it was bizarre. And then you just naturally fall into that integration of a child into a home which is just bananas it's bananas yeah and and it was tricky she didn't have really any routine and that had to be sort of adapted kind of straight away in order for me to keep my sanity <laughs> um and you know there were so many lovely fluffy happy silly euphoric moments but i'm not gonna lie there were also some really, really, really difficult ones. Um, my daughter has a, had and kind of has this scream. Um, and because of certain things she'd gone through, it became a bit of a habit scream. So every 10 seconds, she'd do this insanely high-pitched scream. And that takes a while to like get used to because you now making dinner and every few seconds, there was just this scream. But obviously I knew why and I knew where it had come from. Um, but yeah, it was utter joy, but also there were really 
I imagine anyone who brings a baby home, you know, like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, this is nuts. This is so different. But there were some definite, honestly, some some challenging moments too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And now she's three? Yeah, now she's three. Now she's three. For you as a mama bear, but also as an entrepreneur, what do you know about yourself now that you never knew about yourself now looking at yourself as a mom? That's really interesting, actually. I think I was a bit scared of being a mom and what I'd be like. Um, I know that I've got a lot more patience than I thought I might have. Um, I know how much I can juggle. But really importantly, I know my limits. And do you know what I've also learned? And really, I, I, some people might feel uncomfortable me saying it, actually. But I would prefer in certain situations when it comes to mental health and, and managing what I can handle, earning much less money, having less in my life financially and having utter headspace and time than I would running myself into the ground just to raise my bank balance, if that makes sense. That's what I've really learned because of course we juggle, I'm a solo parent, I run a business, but I have to make sure I'm looking after myself in order to do all of those things properly. Otherwise it all goes into a chaotic mess and I'm not doing any of them very well. Um, so I need to know when to step back and I feel like I do that really well now I feel like I enjoy that feeling of going it's fine step back it's fine what's the worst that can happen you know and it, that's good I a lot of uh you know other moms that have come on the busy mumsy podcast and they they always come back to that moment of giving yourself grace yeah yeah definitely it, it's a beautiful thing to come back to because you know, having a child just put, it puts so many things into perspective and it's, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more about the bank balance and the, you know, grinding your body and your mind into the ground for that work and that yeah. you know, big paycheck. So yeah. I, I love that you said that and I couldn't agree with you more. And as you are very much successful in your business and as a best-selling author, I mean, you might as well just keep on, keep on keeping on, Vicky. I tell you what, <laughs> starts with your sock drawer. Love the name. I mean, you are winner, winner, chicken dinner when it comes to branding and names. I tell you. Thank you. How, how, how did you find then diving back into your business in the early stages of having your little one in yeah. the house? Yeah, mad. Because so when you adopt, ideally what you do is you take a year off work. You're meant mm -hmm. to do this. You have to say you're doing this. And you agree to kind of agree to do that um, in order to bond. Now, when you're a solo mom and you also have a business to run and keep alive, obviously you can't just switch off for a year. So um, I've got a great team, a fantastic PA who was looking after things. Actually, she looked after me through the whole process, adoption process, brilliantly. Um, but I had to hand over basically the majority of the business. And then I've got to admit, I really enjoyed going back. Like I really enjoyed going back because, listen, I love being a mum, but I do feel like it's a slight break from the hardest job in the world 
going back to work. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Like organization is very therapeutic. I'm sure that you've heard that a million times. It just is like, there is something to be said about hanging things nicely in the closet. Yeah. And I mean, I've never in, in my life, will I probably ever have kitchen counters the way that you put them out there to the world and how you should organize the pantry. I, I can't, I'm, I'm not that girl, but I sure can't organize my closet. I am yeah. that girl. Great. I'm all about that. Like, I got it. Like I like color coded. I like to see things like with, you know, the, the space saving hangers and all that kind of stuff. So for me, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm but I when love it comes it. to it, <laughs> Absolutely. And listen, you know, if you saw my house right now, so so my level of organization, my my version of professional organizing, number one, it suits every single individual client that I meet. For one person, that might be the pantry where every single thing they own is in jars with a neat little label and the best before date on their back. Wonderful. They love that Instagram look. We can create it. However, I would say, controversially, the majority of people don't want that and actually it would hinder their lives as opposed to enhance it probably never get a job again but it's it's true I I can't have my pantry like that because the upkeep is too great I don't have time um you know to give an example okay you've got a jar and it's got rice in it and it's coming to the end okay so you've got a new rice well you can't just pour it in the top because that stuff's old so you need to pour that out into a bowl, then you kind of need to wash out the tub, wash out the tub, okay, dry it again, make sure it's dry. Get the new thing of rice, put it in, then you put the old stuff on the top, but then you've still got a bit left in the old pan. I mean, even now, it's like, I've got those minutes. I mean, you barely remember to go to the toilet, do you, when you're a mum? So this is why I stay away from the kitchen. I mean, I'm going to, I'm actually going to just replay this small little segment over and over again to my husband, just to clarify why I don't go in the kitchen. So thank you. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's true. It's true. And honestly, most of this stuff in people's pantries, they'll take the picture for Instagram, pop it up, then it will head straight to the charity shop three months later when they realise they can't keep it up. Um, It just doesn't work for everyone. That isn't my goal for organisation. My goal is to be able to tidy up in 10 minutes in any room, not to have too much stuff because it crowds my brain and I believe we're way too, we're responsible for every item we own. I don't want that responsibility for all this stuff in my house. Um, And three, actually, really importantly, because it's a mum podcast, is it's not great for children to have a ton of toys. Um, There have been studies that show the stress that it can cause to a child when they have too many choices and too many decisions. Um, So that's another big one why the toys, you know, constantly get big constant flow of toys going through the house you know are you already teaching your little one organizational tools tips and tricks already as that three-year-old I mean because come on they are sponges right so you probably could get her to line some things up yeah you'd think wouldn't you um my daughter is the messiest child I've ever met in my life I love that she eats yogurt with her hands she dips her fruit in her drink she is so she's three but the other thing is her favorite game right this is so (laughs) is to gather stuff from the house anything she can see 
She takes it into her playroom and she puts it in a big pile. Shoes from the cupboard, coats, toys, cushions, baskets, empties cupboards. I mean, I'll literally, all I'll have done is got a bowl out of the cupboard, put it on the side and said, dinner's ready. I'll go in the playroom and everything we own is in a massive hoarding style pile. It's She's the opposite. I try, I swear I try. But she is quite good at getting rid of things. That's one one little mark I've got. You know why? I have a feeling, and she's just not it. She's just not there yet. Yeah. By the age of four, she'll start to that pile. Well, then she'll start to organize it. So she so. just hasn't quite gotten there yet, Vicky. So there is hope. <laughs> it's hilarious that this is my child is the most unorganized kid in the world. Oh, dear. <laughs> I will mean, say that we, we definitely did teach uh, our daughter, Adia, uh, tidy up. So yeah. if, she wants, if, if she wants like a little cocoa melon time and you go tidy up, she will grab that box. And what, what can be mind numbing, I will share, is that yeah. one tiny little Lego piece up at a time. Oh, and yes. Look at yeah. And she'll look at you because she knows that you're going to like take your arm and swoop it all into the box. Yeah. Where she yeah. Can do one at a time and just wait for you to help. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, there's a re another really interesting thing um, when it comes to children and tidying up, which is a lot of us put too much or sorry, our expectations are too high when it comes to uh, what we expect them to be able to tidy up. So saying to them, come and tidy your room is like saying to us just pop and declutter your whole entire house you know it's so huge isn't it and and I've, I've realized that quite a lot and also the systems we put in place for the children some of my clients want you know subcategorization and labels and pictures and it just is too much for their little minds sometimes depending oh. on the child <laughs> of course of course well, it, isn't it just fun to watch them grow I'll tell oh, you what yeah. It's just lucky. Yeah. every day, every 10 minutes of each day is just like a riot and we it's yeah. confetti in the air and let's see what falls next. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, it really is. Now, now with your business, you need a Vicky. Yeah. Um, what is in the pipeline? I mean, you, you've got this best-selling book. Like what else are you hoping to see that the hopes and dreams for your business? Yeah, so we have just opened like a little sort of side branch. I don't want to say franchise because it's not really a franchise, but we've just sort of spread the areas that we work in in the UK, which is great. I mean, not that we don't travel everywhere, we kind of do. Um, but we've just sort of had more focusing on lots of suburbs outside of London, which is fantastic. Um, and for my side of things, do you know what I love? I love the working with brands. I love the spreading the love on new businesses. Um, I, I love that side of things as well. I love working out that I can make a reel, um, which I didn't know what it was really four months ago. So things like that, I like, I find it hard, but I'm, I'm in really enjoying sort of doing that side of it too and focusing on that Instagram side. And um, I know I've got to get a lot better but I'm enjoying that side of it too, so much. And we've got such a great team within the business now. You know, we've got like 10, 12 people working for, for You Need a Vicky that I can take those days now, like we were saying earlier, um, to focus on, on that. Um, we're also working on a really exciting, basically 
all of the products that I love are only in my head. They're not actually kind of written down anywhere. They're not out. So, so <laughs> my organizers, but also my clients, you know, it's, it's my brain that needs to give them those items. So I'm actually working with someone at the moment to get them out of my brain onto paper and just create this sort of like wonderful, like almost like mini book of my absolute favorite must-haves. Um, and that I'm really enjoying doing things like that too. Again, I've sort of taken a step back from the bookings a little bit to be able to do these things. Otherwise, there's just no time for any of it. But it, but it's so true in saying it takes an army. It takes an absolute village of no, who, whoever it may be, the neighbor hired help, the postman, yeah. whatever it is to, to bounce those ideas off of, to get it out of your head, that pen to paper. And you can't, you cannot do it all without help and support. You just simply can't, especially in Parentville. You just yeah. simply can't. Totally. And I'm so organized when it comes to physical organization. But honestly, the admin side of things, I, I, I joke, but I do not joke that if I never had to pick up my laptop ever again, I mean, I despise it so much. I hate owning one. Um, the admin side of things is awful. And I started trying to make this document myself. I put three products down and I was like, no, nah. <laughs> this is never going to work. Well, Vicky, um, I would love for you to pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy. What, what do you know now that helped you Yeah, that you can hand over that wisdom to that newly expecting parent? To do with anything, yeah? Anything anything okay if I think back do you know what it has to be based around sleep oh, I hope I'm not saying the same as everything out everyone else but it was to I was so stuck on the when she's sleeping what's she doing when she doing? and I think because of sheer exhaustion it was that it will level out the older they get but it will level out the older they get so as much as it's so easy to focus so much around everything on sleep because you're not getting any um right. it's having faith that it will level out and get better um in however you want to do that my daughter sleeps with me every night she wakes up in the night in her own bed comes into my room totally happy with that not gonna fight it don't want to fight it no, child. You know, <laughs> Addie and I are on the couch around 3 4 a.m every <laughs> night so it's kind of like this new thing we're like camping <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She doesn't go upstairs to Mama Dada's bed. She goes couch. I want really? to go couch. <laughs> well, I couldn't agree with you more about the whole scheduling and the craziness that evolves around sleep. Give yeah. yourself grace on that because yeah. it because you are so sleep deprived yourself that yeah. you you just kind of have to rock with it. Yeah. Well, Vicky, I have to say, I, I, I wore my superhero T-shirt in you. honor that, that you are a superhero. And um, I, I wish I could give you a real hug, but we're just in the virtual world. So here we are. It was an absolute pleasure, Vicky Silverthorne, coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast, giving me your time, sharing your wisdom and your journey. It is a glorious gift. Oh, thank you so much. Honestly, enjoyed every second. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. 
Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.